All right, it might not be exactly like the theme to Rocky. You know, that music that's going to pump you up and says, yeah, I want to do something great. I want to really get in shape, whatever it is you want to do in your life. The opening theme to my podcast, I actually really like. It does kind of get me psyched up. The bongos and the congas and the cheers and everything else. And maybe you have that going for you where you get psyched up about life and you say, yeah, I want to make a change. What is the change? But more importantly, whatever it is that you want to accomplish in your life, how do you make the change? Now, I'm going to take some excerpts, as I have been doing, from my book. It's kind of fun to quote from yourself. (laughs) The whole world is going crazy, but you don't have to psychological and scriptural healing excerpts from the book to talk about some of the big themes that I encounter as a therapist so that you can take these themes and apply them to your own life and say, yes, I can actually make the change that I want to in my life. See, as a therapist, I consider myself to be in the changing business. I I like those make home makeover shows because it's fun to watch the physical transformation of a structure, you know, the change. But my favorite programs or stories are about human transformation, far more complex an endeavor. How do you change? But perhaps, again, the better question is, how do you make and sustain the positive change that you want to make? So I'm going to get into how to make the change momentarily. But first, you might want to ask yourself if there are things in your life that you ought to change. How do you know if change is essential for you right now? What are the signs? Well, your body and your brain will give you clues. What are they? If you feel like your life lacks meaning, make a change. If you're stressed out, excellent time to make a change. If you find yourself with a longer list of regrets than accomplishments, if you're lacking joy, if your marriage is in crisis, if you're engaging in self-destructive habits, if you've lost interest in life, if you're more about the excuses and not acting, if you feel trapped, if any of these clues resonate, don't get depressed. Make a change. And you can do it. God calls you to a lifetime of growth and change. He wants your life to be transformed. And maybe you want that as well. Now, I'm not talking about a new wardrobe that quickly becomes old. Right? or just shedding a few pounds that you put back on in six months, but really creating habits that will last and achieving goals will make you feel good about yourself. Now, what does God say about change? Ready, drum roll, please. He wants you to experience, don't get discouraged, but he says he wants you to take on an entirely new way of life. Don't be intimidated. Don't be overwhelmed with that statement. But God wants you to take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside out. If you want to check this out in greater detail, open up your Bible, go to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 24. Now, how do you do that? Let's break it down with a straightforward example that maybe you've experienced. You want to get in better shape or lose weight. So January 1st rolls around and you join the gym. You order all the right miracle weight loss foods and you're off to a great start. The pounds start coming off and you begin to see some muscle definition. Cool. But then a couple of months down the road and, well, 
you know what usually happens. Or let's say you want to grow in holiness, and step number one you tell yourself is to read the whole Bible. Nice goal. But then you get a few books in, and this person begets this person, and the numerous laws feel a little tedious, so you decide you don't need to read the whole Bible. Instead, you'll just jump to the book of Matthew in the New Testament. Now, I'm not suggesting that Scripture is tedious. The entire Bible really is worth reading and studying. What I am suggesting is that how you go about reading it matters. And in this case, it didn't work. Now, go ahead, though, and name your goal. Did you reach it? Did you sustain the goal once you got there? Whether you want to grow in holiness, lose weight, write a book, or do anything else you can imagine, you must think strategically. Now, one of the best books, in my opinion, on the strategy for making and sustaining change is written by my friend Robert Maurer called Kaizen, How One Small Step Can Change Your Life. But if you're just too deeply engrossed right now in this podcast and say, yeah, Joe, I just want you to talk about this, <laughs> maybe I'll buy that book later on. All right, well, let me begin with a personal example. I set the lofty goal of writing a book, and I actually completed that goal. In fact, I've written two books, one, Defying Gravity, and two, The Whole World is Going Crazy, but you don't have to, Psychological and Scriptural Healing. So I've done it. But it was the strategy that enabled me to accomplish this goal. A lofty goal begins with a dream. But dreams don't necessarily equate to action that leads to contemplation, completion. Why? Fear. What is the most difficult part? If you think about some of your own lofty goals, and it's terrific to have them, what's the most difficult part? For most of us, it's taking that first step. So, if, for example, you attended school and were tasked with writing a significant paper, did you rush right home and begin writing? Probably not. You may not have said, I'm afraid to write, but you may have procrastinated. Why? Because it seemed overwhelming. And the brain doesn't like overwhelming. Yet, if you address the brain's resp fear response, it will cooperate. You might be able to write a significant essay, but you first have to address the fear factor. Now again, apply this to your own goals. You see, beginnings are scary, and the bigger the goal, the more frightening it is. I have frequently told myself, I can't write a book. But clearly, that isn't true. But the fear told me it was. But I tell myself, I can write a sentence and maybe a paragraph. And if I give myself some time, a page... And then a chapter, you get the idea. The thought of writing a book is scary. But breaking it down into small manageable steps allows you to begin. If you only address the fear first, you have far more capacity to accomplish goals and make change than you realize. And again, how do you do that? You break the goal into smaller steps until you say, yeah, I can take that first step. Then you begin to put those little steps together until you're beyond the fear. You've started. And that's a huge hurdle, but only the first one. 
What's next? Marathon runners talk about hitting the wall. It's those final few miles when they're just not sure they can finish. They've overcome the fear of the start, but finishing is another stumbling block. So think about your goals. Okay, somehow you managed to start. And again, breaking it down into small steps will allow you to continue to move forward, to start towards that goal. But again, you have to address your wall. And many runners take the same approach I'm suggesting you take when you start. You might not believe that you can run another mile, much less five or so. But can you take one more step? Can you do a few more yards? It is one step after another until you cross that line. Now again, I've dreamed of writing this second book for a long time. But I didn't start until one day I sat down with my mentor. And I had the title, but not much else, or so I thought. I even sort of had a title, (laughs) and it changed. And then we brainstormed, and we came up with seven or so chapter ideas, and bam, that was it. I started writing that day. I knew the goal was to write a complete book, but the fear of writing a whole book prevented me from starting. So I addressed the fear with a few lines written literally on my phone. And the fear dissipated. Creativity opened up. That was the strategy. One sentence at a time. Address the fear. Yes, I also needed that human connection for the spark to quiet the fear. But I just needed a couple of lines and a little encouragement. And then just the willingness to write a few more sentences at a time. That's what kept the fear meter turned off. Each time I sat in front of my computer with that blank screen, I didn't sit down to write a book. I sat down to write a sentence. Now, again, your goal is probably not to write a book. But whatever your goal is, same thing. Break it down. The truth is, I actually didn't write on any of the topics I had brainstormed with my friend. (laughs) Sorry, Bob. But having those ideas out in front of me gave me the confidence to take the first small step. And I also permitted myself to write badly. Because honestly, the only bad words were the words that never saw the paper. Writing is the process of rewriting. Most of the words I initially wrote, I I rewrote twice or ten times. You have to allow yourself to fail to write badly. Failure, again, is the step you choose not to take. Fail, fall, but then get back up, take another step toward your goal and the change that you want to make. Believe it or not, this is also a biblical principle. What did Jesus say to his disciples when he first sent them out to preach the gospel? Start small. Don't begin by going to a distant country. He said, go to the houses right around you. Give someone a cup of water. That makes you a true apprentice. Give them the message. If they don't take it, wipe the dust from your Nikes and go on. Again, look at Matthew chapter 10. The disciples didn't fail because someone rejected the message. They were told to keep going one step at a time. Now, they did actually change the world. They did change their lives. But they did it one step and one house at a time. 
Scripture speaks a great deal about fear and its negative consequences. Yet God also calls you to a lifetime of growth and change. And probably the biggest impediment to change is fear. So to make and sustain change, you first must address the fear. You can trust God to help you manage your fear, but that doesn't mean you are absolved from taking steps. To make change, you also need allies. Right? I sat down with my friend Bob to address the fear, although I didn't admit that consciously. But think of this. God tells you that he is beside you and will not leave you as you grow and change as he has asked you. See Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8. Do not be discouraged, God says. So whether you're trying to take your first small step or you're at mile 25 of your life's marathon, and you find yourself discouraged, afraid, or weary, remembering that you are not alone will give you a boost. It's normal to experience fear and say, "Ah, I just don't have what it takes to make this change. But that is likely fear talking. And fear can be pretty convincing. Some life coaches say that to overcome fear, you just have to believe in yourself. Again, that might sound great as a mantra or in front of the on the front of a t-shirt, but it doesn't address the brain's fear response. Psalms 18.2 reminds you that God is the rock, not you. You might look at yourself and see that the task is too big. You're right. So break it down into smaller steps until you can take that first small step. You want to reach and sustain your goal. Not just take a few small steps. But science says that creating practices and habits through small incremental steps will also also more likely lead to habits that you sustain. To stay with the running example, and think of this as a metaphor for the change that you want to make. If your goal was to run a marathon next year, the last thing in the world that you'd want to do is to hit the road and try to run it right now. Not only will your body resist you, but your brain will also resist. Instead, if you go just a few yards farther each day, the change will be more easily adaptable and sustainable by your brain and body. If you want to change your eating habits, you can apply the same principle. Let's say you love your burger and fries, but you know you must change that habit. Each time you sit down to eat, throw one French fry out before you begin your meal. Then the next time, two. Now again, that might sound funny, but you're addressing the essential aspect of making a change. Fear. It's not as big a deal to toss out one of the fries, but the whole bunch? During your fry disposing venture, you'll probably conclude at some point that you don't need the fries because you gently created a new habit of eating less. Although it can work differently, it's not about making a big decision that leads to real change. It's about consistent small steps. Salespeople and media understand and capitalize on this principle. Think about the television commercials you see and see and see. (laughs) It's not the one spectacular commercial that gets you to go buy their product. After the umpteenth time, though, you say to yourself, wow, I really do need a new truck or soap or whatever. It's repetition. It's habit. 
That's why it's crucial that you must repeat what you can if you want to create and sustain change. Keep it doable. Of course, asking what you want is the first best way to begin making change. Are you willing to sacrifice to make a change? Do you know the new direction you want your life to take? It's okay not to have all of the answers. As the great thinker Voltaire said, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. You never will change if you feel you must be perfect. Don't set impossible standards for yourself. Expect setbacks. One of the most significant predictors of making and sustaining change is what you say to yourself when you experience slips. You have a goal. Awesome. You begin taking those first few steps. Terrific. But you must expect setbacks. Prepare yourself for this to get back up and move toward your goal. You need to rehearse what you will say to yourself to provide you the strength to get back up and move forward. For example, if your goal is to lose weight and you slip up and you have that slice of pizza, don't get angry at yourself and say, well, I blew it. I might as well finish the whole pie. As you pursue change and experience setbacks, acknowledge that whatever you do may not be perfect but then let it go. If you don't know precisely how to speak to yourself, think about how you would talk to a dear friend who is struggling or doubting or needing encouragement. Now use those exact same words and tone with yourself. Change can elicit fear, but the close cousin of fear is excitement. A part of you craves excitement and enjoys being afraid. That's why you go on roller coasters or travel to new places. Try new foods. Meet new people. Yet you simultaneously crave predictability and the constant. That's why you enjoy the prospect of climbing into your bed when you're tired or having that same Sunday meal or seeing old friends. Not everything ought to change in your life. Change can be scary. Change can be exciting. Ask yourself what you want to change. You'll probably have better success if you have a companion to make that change journey with you. Remember, God is there for you. Now take that first small step. I will meet you back on the road. And remember, always forward.